Well, good morning, Grace Spring. Are we happy to be here? Are those of you watching online happy to be watching online? Hey, did you hear that? I heard that. I heard that. Awesome. Hey, please be seated. So good uh, for you to be here today joining us. Um, I have a question I want to open with, and that is, how many of you like this stuff right there? How many of you like coffee? Any coffee lovers? All right. How many, how many of these coffee drinkers here, though, are cream and sugar people? Cream and sugar? No? How many of you are like, man, I got to drink it black? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I see how you're raising your hands. A little bit bigger and bolder. Um, um, what makes a good cup of coffee? My wife. I said, what? Not who? Man, what? What makes a good cup of coffee? Well, how many of you grind your own coffee beans, all that kind of stuff? Okay, these are diehards. Um, you know, I didn't know that there was like a lifespan on coffee. Um, I heard it's really the best experience when you grind it not too long after it's been roasted, right? I mean, good stuff. So anyway, um, I was reading a book on the uh, beginning of Starbucks, and uh, one thing that was very fascinating about their coffee expertise, and that is that they wanted to have everybody to have a consistent coffee experience, and the best way they could assure doing that and that is by having water filters at every Starbucks so that everybody has the exact same tasting water that goes into the coffee. Because water is a hugely, if not most important, ingredient to a good cup of coffee. Because coffee is 98% water. Did you know that? Okay, please don't tune out the rest of the sermon. Because, wow, here's what I learned today. Um, but I, I say all that because my question is, uh, if water that you wouldn't think is hugely important to coffee, that you would think the coffee and the coffee beans are, um, when it comes to church, what makes a great church? What ingredient makes a great church? Yeah, love water. Here, here Water? Who said water? I mean, <laughs> good. Okay. Uh, well, well, baptism, I guess it could apply. People, anyway, um, when it comes to church, yes, it's the people, but, but going deeper, it is the love that people have for one another. I think how horrible would it be for people to come here on a Sunday and not feel love, right? And some of us have been to those places where it's just like, oh, it's like I was never cared for, cared about. And we want to make sure that love is just so important for us to really be able to understand. And we're going to be able to be encouraged by that here today in our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, it's on page 1140 in the Bible in the seat back in front of you. Um, as you're turning there, um, we are in this journey of spiritual gifts and we are doing a six-week series on 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. And in this particular text, though, uh, we're going to see uh, something that was reiterated other places in Scripture. And that is in John 13, 35. John 13, 35. The Scripture says this. By this, 
All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He says, by this, all people will know. I mean, it's the way you love each other is that you are going to distinguish yourselves among a whole bunch of other people by how you love. Well, the hard thing for us is that the English has one word for love, and that's love. The Greek has four different words for love. And we are going to be looking here in 1 Corinthians 13. It's going to be talking about agape love, a love that comes from God. And so with that, um, we're going to be reminded here of the text that the quality of our relationships is determined by the value of the object we share. And what is the value of the object we share? What is what brings us here together today unlike anything else? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And so with that, I want to invite uh, the uh, children's ministry team here at Grace Spring to come on up to stage. They're going to read our text for us, but let's give it up for this team and Sarah Norton. Hey, everybody. How are you? Good. Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So some of you may not know who I am. My name is Sarah Norton. I've been attending this church for roughly five years, and I've had the honor of being our children's director for almost three of those years. So it's been wonderful. Um, but today, I have two special people that I'd like to introduce you. They are new to our children's team, and I'd like to start with Tammy McGuire. Everybody say, hey, Tammy. Hey, Tammy. Tammy McGuire is our children's ministry assistant, and she plays a huge role on our ministry team. And you don't usually see her up front a whole lot, but she does a ton of behind-the-scenes things to help us keep moving and to love your children well. So this is Tammy. And more recent, we have Amanda Koenig. Amanda Koenig is now our early childhood manager. Everyone say, welcome, Amanda. Welcome, Amanda. Yeah, so together, we are the children ministry team, and I just felt it's super important that you guys see the people that are working so hard. And I would, I would say that I believe all of our hearts are aligned in the ways that we love your children and we love our families, and we're working incredibly hard to make sure that your children know the love of Jesus. So... Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. So at this point, I would love for you to stand up. We're going to read the Word of God. Today is 1 Corinthians 13. For those of you that are using the Bibles in the seat backs in front of you, again, we're on page 1140. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, and have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. 
When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been known, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, please join me in prayer. Father, bless our time together by opening our minds and awakening our affections for you. Stir up our souls this morning to live in the way of love that will honor you. We praise praise you for uh, bringing us your word in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know, as you look through the text, um, let, let me give you the context because it's hugely important. Because I know many people, when you go to wedding ceremonies today, like the most popular wedding ceremony passage is 1 Corinthians 13. So teach, teach you know, the, the, the love chapter. You know, what I find interesting is those outside the church of Jesus Christ, uh, there's a couple of scriptures they have memorized. One is judge not lest thou be judged. Okay, got that one memorized. And the other one is they know 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter. Um, but the context of this is something that we need to be reminded of. This is, yes, how we are to love one another. Yes, it's great when we love our spouses this way. But the context here is this is how you love one another in the church of Jesus Christ and love one another even outside the church of Jesus Christ. Love is to be what we reflect to this world because of our connection with the Lord. So what Paul is doing here as he's writing this letter, this church was full of divisions. Uh, This church is about four years old and uh, there was a lot of bad stuff happening in this church. Um, But one of those was that some of the church members were saying, hey, I love when Apollos preaches. When he's there, I'm there every time. But when he's not there, eh, Paul's not that good, and I'm just not going to show up that week. Okay? That kind of stuff would happen. Or some would say, no, I'm team Paul. Others would say, I'm team Peter. And this was creating factions in this local church. And Paul says, no, no, that is not to happen. So this whole letter... The first Corinthians is contending for unity. It's contending for unity, how the church is to get along. There was another aspect that he had to confront in this church. And that's when they were having communion, people would bring food and they would have a feast. And say, okay, let's have communion together. But if you brought food, um, it was those who gave more to the offering plate or, or those who brought better food. It's like, hey, we are going to gorge ourselves. And if there's any left over, we'll give it to these here who brought nothing. Okay, this is how this church was functioning. Um, I would hate to be a part of a church like that. People would even get drunk during communion. He had to confront this church about that. He said, man, you're just bringing too much. And then all of a sudden you would drink so much that there wouldn't be um, the opportunity for others to be able to partake in communion as well. So when you read 1 Corinthians, there is correction after correction after correction after correction. But see, he's also correcting them how they are exercising their spiritual gifts. Because some here in this church had the gift of tongues. 
We're going to talk about that more in a couple weeks. Some had the gift of prophecy. We're going to be talking about that next week. Others had the gifts of healing. And so there was almost this competition, this rivalry in amongst the church of, hey, those who are able to speak in the tongue, they've got a certain level of the Holy Spirit that other people didn't get. And so there was all this faction and division and envy going on and strife and division. So not a great church. So right in between here, he talks about this. And he, he addresses these very... Um, prominent gifts, at least here in this church. And he says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, what is he saying? He says, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Do you want that illustrated right now? Okay, we're going to do that. So, let's just say, I... um, have met you and we're getting to know each other and all of a sudden I'm talking like this and I'm just saying you know what Jesus loves you so much and man he 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 has so much in store for you and he really wants you to be able to walk in relationship with him um is that annoying to you it's horribly annoying um This is what Paul is saying. He says, when you, even if you might exercise certain spiritual gifts that might put you to your fellow brothers and sisters to be on some spiritual level plane, but you do not exercise that with love, that is what your life is like. It is a living contradiction. You might be doing good things, but he said, without love. I mean, look at this. He says, if I speak in these tongues or languages of men and of angels. I mean, he's saying, if you're the most eloquent person in the world that could speak in both dimensions, he says, but you don't have love, big deal. He says, if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and if I have all faith. Now, think about that. That would be a pretty amazing person in that category. And to have the kind of faith to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Is that shocking to you? I I want you to think, if you were listening to this scroll that was being read to this congregation. He says, you could have all the giftedness in the world, but if you do not have love, you are a living contradiction. He says, if I give away all I have. I know people who've given away so much, but sometimes when they're giving away so much, they're like, yeah, but make sure I get the credit for it. Make sure people know I gave this. Sometimes people do that. And they gave everything, but it's just kind of like, yes, but are you doing that for you? Are you truly doing that for the benefit of the one you're giving these things to? And he, even if you deliver your body to be burned, I mean, he's just saying that is commitment. To just say, hey, this faith is going to cost me my life. But he dares to say, but if you do not have love... You gain nothing. I mean, what's he mean by that? He says it's not profitable. It's not, it's not how everything is wired. And so here I want to make a case here for biblical love. A case for biblical love. Because again, our society 
really is so confused when it comes to this subject matter of love. Um, and, and so I want us to set the stage here for us to understand this chapter better. I want you to know that the, motion, uh, the motivation behind spiritual gifts is biblical love. Now we're going to read Colossians 3 here in a little bit later, but, but again, the motivation for any of our giftings that God has gifted each one last week in the, the last two weeks, we have said, each one, when you have received what Jesus Christ has done for you, that you have received the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk more about the Holy Spirit here in just a little bit. But that you've been given the Holy Spirit to help you continue to connect with God in a very supernatural way so that, that you become kind of a conduit to your connection with God, that He is able to use you as His tool however He pleases in whatever situation you find yourself in. So the motivation behind these gifts isn't, look how great you are because you have this gift. Ooh, you know what? You're junior varsity because you don't have that gift. And so now we're going to play favorites. Paul says that is not acceptable in the church of Jesus Christ. As we said last week, not everybody has been given a tongue, so don't expect everybody to speak in tongues. He said that can be a gift, but do not demand that of everybody. Or the gift of prophecy, he said you shouldn't be demanding that on, on everybody, but there's going to be some of those with that gift. That's what I love about Grace Spring Bible Church. That's what I love about pastoring a non-denominational church because we have people from a variety of backgrounds and we need the variety of theological backgrounds to come together and function as a team. But what so many churches do, it's like, hey, all of you who believe this about gifts, you go to that church. Those of you who believe this about gifts, you go to that church. Those of you who want to accentuate that particular gift, you go to that church. And it is just kind of segregated the church of Jesus Christ. And 1 Corinthians says, no, the beauty of it is that you have some speaking in tongues. You have some prophesying. You have some with gifts of healing. You have some um, with administration gifts. You have some with the gift of teaching. And the beauty of the church is that you have been deposited here because God has placed you here. And you're like a sheet of music that the Holy Spirit of God has made an incredible um, symphony with all of the sheets of music and all of you function as different notes. Some of you are sharp, some of you are flat. Uh, some of you have rests and some of you don't. And and, and this is the beauty, that when this church is placed on a sheet of music, that there is incredible diversity, and all that is coming together in such a great way. But I pray that you are taking the challenge like I'm taking the challenge myself, and that is, I want to be so connected with the Lord and be able to enter into the mystery that, Lord, if there's a gift that I'm not willing to acknowledge because maybe I've been raised in a camp that doesn't acknowledge that, Lord, please, please reveal that to me. Man, I want to be available to you. And so the motivation behind spiritual gifts is biblical love. And everybody here who calls Grace Spring your home church, it is though that God has put my name on your hearts, your names on my hearts, our names on each other's heart, because we are looking, how can we together serve you? I mean, that should be the message. That's what love is. I am here to serve you. 
And we're going to investigate that further. Um, But also, secondly, um, you need to know as we set the stage that the source of biblical love is the triune God. Okay, the source of biblical love is the triune God. Now, let me explain. Here is ankle-level understanding. The Word of God clearly says in 1 John 4 that God is love. God is love. How many of you believe God is love? I hope so, because the Word of God says God is love. So you go, man, I love God. God loves me. Okay, God is love. Okay, that's ankle-deep understanding. And so love is not something God does or only does. Love is who God is. Now, I want you to think about that. You need to engage your brains here because when it comes to the God of the Bible, and it's just like, well, if he is eternal... How can God be a God of love? He's always been a God of love. If love is who God is, okay, so now we get into deeper theology, knee deep, and this is the Trinity. In the scriptures, that you never read the name Trinity, but as you study the scriptures, you see many times God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each um, distinct in persons. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. You get that? Trinity. Like three parts of a triangle. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, these three have always composed together the Godhead of the Bible. We see Him throughout. We see them interacting throughout the scriptures together. And so in the very same way, you could say that then eternally, God always was by his very nature, love, because the father loves the son, the son loves the father, the son loves the spirit, the spirit loves the father. Okay, do you get that? It's like, But the Bible clearly says there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the source of biblical love is a triune God. And what this triune God does in Genesis 1, we have record, is that God creates man in his image. He creates Adam. Why does he create Adam? Because he's inviting uh, created beings to be a part of this beauty called love. And so... Sometime before Genesis 1, you have God creating the angelic hosts, this dimension that we cannot see with our eyes, but that we read about in God's Word. And and so there is this, this dimension, and we learn in that dimension that there was a beautiful angel, and that angel was Lucifer, but that angel got jealous of God's glory. And in doing so, God kicks Lucifer out of heaven with a third of the angelic beings who think that they could be like God. And so here is the battle then in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. So God creates everything. But do you remember the first thing that God created that was not good? It says God's everything was good, but there was one thing that was not good. Do you know what that was? Adam was alone. It says there was not one that was suitable for him. Basically meaning 
that now we have humanity that aren't being able to experience the fullness and the beauty of how the Trinity interacts with one another. And so that's why the beauty of marriage, the beauty of a husband and a wife coming together is just the beauty of that union and that how each one incredibly complements one another in a beautiful way. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're not married that you're not complete. That doesn't mean that at all. It's just that marriage is an invitation of the Lord to embrace something that is so beautifully one. Different ones coming together as one. So the source of this biblical love is a triune God. And thirdly, the catalyst for loving impact is self-sacrifice. We don't like to self-sacrifice. No, no, no. We like others to sacrifice for me, but not me for you. In fact, I'm going to read a text that we read this clearly in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Let me just read this to you. You can write this down in your notes. 1 John 4 verses 7 at least to 12. It says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now again, some of you may be pushing back because you say, I don't know God, but I can love people. Again, the critical component on everything we're reading is loving how God loves. It's different from the world. Here's how the world's love system works. It's like, I will show affection for you as long as you give me something in return. That's how the world looks at this. So that's why it's so messed up how we in the English, if we just have our cultural understanding of love reading this, it totally distorts the text. The text is this is the way God loves. And when we are connected with him in relationship, we are able to love this way. So then he says this, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Why was Jesus sent to the world? Why was God the son sent to the world? Because Genesis 3, sin happened and because of sin, sin is rebellion against God and says, and sin says, I make a better God than God does. And so I'm going to call my own shots. So in that, um, Jesus Christ comes and he pays the penalty for that rebellion. The wages of sin is death. I mean, spiritual death. Spiritual death is separation from the God that we were designed to have relationship with. So humanity was created to give glory to God, but now sin has mankind living for the glory of man. How many of you ever struggle with you building your own kingdom so that you get the glory and say, hey, look how good I am. Look how good my business is. Look how good a teacher I am. Look how good a parent I am. Look what my kids are doing. You see, there's all this competition and, and all this because I matter about my glory, but that's not the example we have here in Scripture. Because verse 10 says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That's a big word. It means payment. To be the payment for our sins. Remember it says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is another way of saying what we are studying here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And that is, as I connect to the Lord in relationship and I exercise my gifts, I exercise my gifts not for the glory of me. I exercise my gifts for the building up of you. This is why gifts are given, for the common good. We cover that at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, that our gifts are given by the Holy Spirit of God for the common good to make this an incredible place. But if those gifts are done without this kind of agape love, um, it, it can be a mess. It can be a mess. So we don't want that, do we? So Colossians 3 Verses 14 to 17, I'm going to put this on the screen because I want us to read this. Um, because I, I, I think there's something about reading God's word aloud as a people of faith together does something to us collectively that the Holy Spirit of God can speak to our hearts. And I want, oh yeah, and I want all hearts really to... Uh, really take to heart what Paul says to this other church in Colossae. And so can we read and stand and uh, read this together as a family of faith? And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, let's take a break here and let's sing, because I, I think this is very appropriate. When we take to heart what Christ has done, this enables us to tap into the resource to love as 1 Corinthians 13 is calling us to love. So let's sing some songs. You ready to sing? Yeah. And then I'll come back up here again, and we'll keep at it. Wow, what a powerful time. But let's continue reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. We're going to be reminded that the fruit of our lives is connected to the root. And so here we have in verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. How are you doing so far? <laughs> it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. So tell me, in today's church, or just living in today's society, how well do you see this being exercised? 
It's like it's because so many people are just trying to live the faith in their own strength. And God says, no, it's not possible. You've got to connect with me. You just have to connect with me. It's the only way these are possible. I mean, because when I look at the list so far of patient, ooh, patient, oh, and, and then not irritable or resentful. Man, if I don't get my way, you know, do I, I tend to hold that against people. In the world, it would say, yes, if you're not getting something in return, yes, be irritable, be resentful. But God's word says, no, 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 no. It says, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth, because love and truth go hand in hand. It says, love bears or endures all things. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Again, in this context of the church, it's just saying, when you come across people, don't look at them and be always so skeptical. Just say, hey, embrace them. Listen to what they have to say. You might have some that say, hey, I've got the gift of healing. It's a great way to go. Man, I'm so glad that you've been given that gift. Or I've got the gift of prophecy. Great. As opposed to, oh, man, that's one of those weirdos. Those are those I don't associate with. And, and really what the word of God is saying, there is no place for that in the church of Jesus Christ. Now again, for clarification, it says believes all things. No, it just, it is basically being able to hear. And it doesn't just say believe everything everyone says. We still have a brain to discern. But he's just saying we've got to put people in the category of we want to listen to you. We want to know you. We want to know your backstory, okay? Then he says, love never ends. Verse 8, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. What is the perfect coming? The perfect coming is when Jesus returns, when the perfect returns, when our source for love returns. He says, the partial will pass away. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. He's telling this church, grow up. Grow up in this truth I'm sharing with you. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Meaning, when we see Jesus again, we will come to grip with this reality. It says, now I know in part, then I shall, fully, uh, shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. He says, when Jesus returns, finally, all pretense and all obstacles for anything where there is undivided communion between us, all that will be taken away. And this is always going to be tough in the church. That's why there is no such thing as a perfect church. You stick around here a while, you will be disappointed, and you will go someplace else. Maybe. Because everyone is looking for that 1 Corinthians 13 church. And I just think, I would want people in this region of Michigan to say, you know, I don't believe everything they believe at Grace Spring Bible Church, but boy, they know how to love. They know how to love. That's what I want stated about the reputation of this church. 
so basically what we have just read is that spiritual gifts are temporary, but love is eternal. Look at verse 13. Now faith, hope, and love abide. Those are all very important to the Christian life, isn't it? Faith, hope, and love. Faith and hope, that's kind of like the coffee and the coffee beans and all that kind of stuff. But love is like the water. And it's just like, okay, faith, hope, and love. Well, what is faith? Faith is trusting in that what God says he will do. We have faith. We practice faith on this side of glory because we're entrusting what God says will happen in something we have to look forward to. That is faith. If we could see it all, and experience it all right now, that's not faith. But see, we have faith and hope. What is hope? Hope is that when Jesus says, when I return, all dead bodies will that are, are found in me will rise from the dead. Just in the very same way the crucified Jesus rose from the dead, our dead bodies will rise from the dead. Very mysterious, but he says it will happen. That is what we put our hope in. So when we get discouraged, we can have hope. Why? Because we know, hey, it's going to get good one day. It may not be like that for a long time here, but that's okay. It's going to get better in the future. I hold on to that hope. But see, when Jesus returns, do we need faith? No. But I love your participation. (laughs) Because we will see Jesus face to face. Will we need hope? No, we will not need hope. Why not? Because we have our hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ, face to face, in his presence. Will we need love? Yes. (laughs) You're going to stop participating after a while. Uh, Yes, love is eternal. That is something we have because remember, God is love. That is who he is, that is what he does, and that's what we get to do for an eternity, and that's what we get to practice here in the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that good news? And I can't, there's not a greater group of people I want to exercise the love of Christ than with you. This is what the body of Christ is all about. We using our gifts, not highlighting certain gifts or diminishing certain gifts, but for us to say, man, I love you just the way God made you, and you are hugely important to this team. So let me close with this. I'm going to invite the worship team out again. But I know that there are those who come here and, and you write me notes and you say, hey, I'm curious. Haven't taken a step of faith yet, but I'm curious. And you're here. And it is no accident that God brought you here to be able to hear and be exposed to the truth of the authority of the word of God with the message that God loves you. Man, do you need to hear that today? God loves you. And how might you take a step closer to embrace God's love for you? Some just say, well, you know what? I, I want to live this kind of life first before I take any serious step that way. I, I can just tell you from testimony, 
Very early in my life, I made this profession of faith in Jesus. I believe you love me. I'm going to take that step of faith. I don't have you totally figured out, but I know the more I follow you, the more you're going to enlighten me with the truth of who you are so that I want to love this way. I want to love this way. I want people who know me go, wow, that is so countercultural. I go, yes, yeah, sign me up for that. But the only way that's possible is through my relationship with the living God. It's the only way it's possible for you is your relationship with the living God. It's connecting into our power source through the Holy Spirit, made possible by way of the Son, Jesus Christ, giving his life, sacrificing, seeing the need, meeting the need, and it costing his life, yet at the same time, he resurrected, and he promises the same to all those who believe. So my question for you, if you have not taken a step into the family of faith, why not take a step, embrace God's love for you today? And it's simple. It's just like, Lord, man, my, I come to you by faith today that right now that you will adopt me into your family. I have been far from you. I've been trying hard in my own might. But Lord, now I receive from you what only you could do. That is salvation, Right? And that can happen for you today. And then for those who have already taken that step of faith, here's the second question. How can you best show the love of Jesus to others? Can I warn you of something? It will require sacrifice. But it shouldn't be a drudgery to sacrifice on behalf of another. Man, if you go, man, this means so much to you, I'd have no greater joy. Man, I tell you, it always humbles me to know that for some people, I might be the only scripture or only means of understanding the word of God that they have in their life. And that drives me to my knees and into the word of God to say, transform me from the inside out so that, so that when people see me, they don't see me, they see the love of Christ worked out through me. So not that I get the glory, but that he gets the glory. Amen? And that's the kind of church people want to be a part of. But the only means possible for that is for us to take faithful steps of obedience in faith, driven by hope, but always motivated in love. Amen? Let me pray over you. Lord God, thank you for this church family. Man, they mean the world to me. But Father... Uh, I know there's some things in this chapter that stung a little bit because we try and we fail, we try and we fail, we try and we fail. Or maybe some of us are pretty good and we just look down on others who are failing. Help us and guard us from not doing that. Lord, help us learn what it means to crucify ourselves. Um, I mean, it's crucifying our own expectations of other people so that other people don't disappoint us so much. Lord, help us just bring that to you and say, Lord, help me in this area. I expect a lot from people and when they don't give me this in return, I want to retaliate. Lord, help that not be me. And what a great prayer that is, Father. Lord, I don't know how you are speaking in each heart right now. Whether it's the 
elementary child or the teenager or the young adult or the single or the married or those who live life on this broken planet for a long, long time. Father, thank you for meeting us where we're at. And Lord, thanks for loving us enough to just say, man, I've got so much in store for you. Just connect with me and let's be on this journey together. Lord, I pray that on behalf of everyone listening, no matter if they are here this morning on a Sunday morning or they're listening to this as they're on a hike or a walk or in a family meal together some other time in the week, Lord, may your Holy Spirit move in the hearts so that we can be a church that loves as God loved. We pray in your holy name. Amen.